yo yo what's up what is up lots lots is up <laughs> i know i'm back on I finally he missed such a good episode if anyone's listening please go back and listen to our episode with jed bridges about crux about bitcoin about building a design studio and lots more building what was it, designing and religion that was like yeah. one of our main topics of that discussion and it I was would have awesome. never thought of having a topic on that but at, <laughs> at the same time like i understand there's mm-hmm. a reason like even if you go let's say just spirituality as a whole mm-hmm. if you're if things are aligned with your own person and your own vision and your thing everything everything is energy so even our designs everything we put out is energy so if if he's aligned in that way, I find it very cool that he was open about it because a lot of people, they're very religious, but they don't necessarily talk about it. I'm very spiritual, not well, religious on the side with it, but like, I don't talk about it openly with anybody. I just didn't hear, but it's like, it's super interesting to understand his point of view. And, but knowing Jed would have worked with him in the past, he's like, so calm, so down to earth mm-hmm. and so calm. Yeah. But like, you don't realize like how not how talented he is, but he's talented. But like the fact that he's not this typical designer that's like super loud, super out in the open, et cetera. He has his calm way of doing, even the way he approaches his croc things on Twitter. It's just like subtle. It's never like in your face. It's always just subtle things. And I like, that's what I like about Jed. It's uniquely Jed. Yeah, that's what I mean. And yeah. Have you listened to the episode yet? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. of course it was good. It was nice to see Jed talk in yeah. A different way, not mm-hmm. at work, not at talking about work-related yeah. stuff, et cetera, but get to know Jet in his mm-hmm. barn. <laughs> and I think, pr- I think, though, that we don't do a good job enough. I know you kept mentioning, and I, I maybe have pushed it off, but we don't do currently a good enough job discussing like more of our perspective personally, but not just to talk about it on the podcast and then get reactions and, then gr- mm-hmm. and trying to like spike attention, but genuinely discussing things happening more so in our personal lives and being more personable to, to our mm-hmm. audience that doesn't get to actually see us every day in person, but then yeah. maybe wants to see us on YouTube or listen to us whisper in their ears on, on the podcast. Yeah. So I think that we can definitely change that a little bit. And I think all of our guests have done such a wonderful job being so open and being so informative, but also helpful and giving designers great advice. We will do soon that episode on reviewing every so often we should do an episode reviewing like the previous couple guests so that we can give a recap of what they're saying and like distilled like the main points but today i have a couple of items on our list of things to discuss and you and i chatted before so i want to get your reactions first and then i'm going to go into some of these things of course right now at this very moment how many users do you think or user i can't why i say users how many subscribers excuse me to our newsletter do you think we have without I'll looking say, i haven't lo- and i haven't looked so i'll say 205 205 you'd be trending in the right direction but you're wrong we have 214 subscribers oh, that wow. we were able to get subscribed to our newsletter and listen to our podcast and read the newsletter every week for i think it was it's we're on like episode this is episode i think 15 so 15 weeks we got 200 people that's amazing. We haven't, yeah, we haven't written that many newsletters though. I think we're at right. five. So mm-hmm. it's like now that you're in, you realize that not everybody's going to spike very fast. Some don't. It's okay. It's like, it, mm-hmm. I think it, what I appreciate about it is that I'm finding it hard. 
I had mm -hmm. expectations that we'd go much faster, much further, maybe because I was thinking I've been successful in my career. I've got to mentored and known a lot of people. I've had like good, solid positions at different solid companies. So I was expecting things to go fast just to riff off of that. But then I realized it's not about your hierarchy level or what you've done. Mm -hmm. It's about what you put out and what people value and what you put out. And I respect that. So I had, or we had to go and revisit what we do. And we revisit everything every single week. Like as people are hopefully read some of the posts that I've put out or like the newsletters that I've written, you see the tone of voice change or the way we approach things because we want to ensure we bring value to all of this or anything we do. And we try things out. We try to see what works. We adapt, we adjust, we learn. But it's like, and it's the same thing in design. We're doing it our own selves, building this thing as we grow. There are a couple of people, I'm trying to find the names. I'll put them in the show notes. But I reached out to somebody on Twitter and I was like, how do you grow an audience? Because this person was like trying to show off how do you build a product and then sell yeah. it to a bunch of people, kind of like a DTC thing. But I would like to, to build like a DTC brand, not because I want just like a Shopify website or anything. Mm -hmm. I want to build like cool things that people can physically be with and experience mm -hmm. and not just do the digital stuff. So I think that would be an exciting thing. And this person does that or at least teaches people how to do that. And I asked them like, how do you like grow an audience? He keeps saying audience, but you're not talking about how to actually grow one. And he like literally said, you have to do things that then give value to the community. For example curation so curating uh, a bunch of other content or things in that space so you're trying to build like a, you're trying to make shoes for example and you want to grow an audience that then you can sell shoes to then you would need to eventually lean into pretty far curating what's the best shoe what's the best shoe for certain activity what's a new drop coming out why you don't like certain things what's the build quality so like all these things adding up that make you become the expert in that space and more people follow you for that and then you can sell them stuff that you feel is up to the standards that you've been discussing and then have built that trust with the audience so that they would actually do they actually follow through and buy the stuff so i think that we have like you said the biggest problem we thought originally or the biggest thing that we had as a problem originally with this podcast was we thought based on our career success that people are just going to gravitate towards listening to our advice because we did it. But we only tell people that. we never really shown that too much mm -hmm. on the internet. A lot of people that we know personally show a bunch of stuff on the internet, even if it's like little stupid things like the riff on the, and we can maybe talk about this if you want, the New York City, instead of I love New York City, or it's I love, what is it now? It's we love New York City, New York, yeah. which is, I get going from I to we, but that's a pretty monumental shift, especially Milton Glazer's really rolling in his grave. <laughs> it's so sad. I just have problems with the type choice, to be honest, more so than anything. But anyways, I want to go into that later on maybe, but back to the focus of us talking about how we like failed at growing the newsletter and the podcast and whoever the brand that we're trying to build. It's been hard. I would agree. It's also been hard to then prove the value. It's like, all right, we're going to start showcasing our stuff. And we tried launching a Maven course and that failed. Not failed. No, it but, didn't fail because we did have people show up. We got great reviews on it. I think it was more us repositioning, repivoting, I would say, to something else and not trying to sell. It's not even a word, but it, it just you, you mean You mean pivoting. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pivoting. It was just my brain, French brain translating everything. But it was, it's like that thing where we had users come in more than I originally anticipated for the first one. We realized that selling something, selling a course when you haven't proven anything to the community is hard. And I respect that. And I understand that. So yeah. now we have to go and just prove what we do, talk about design, talk about how you grow in your career, how mm -hmm. like wherever we are in our respected careers, how we got to it. What are the steps we personally took to get there? And mm -hmm. that's what I think we're trying to do. Are we perfect? I'm not perfect yet. I'm still receiving feedback on some things and I, I accept it because I'm trying to frame it that I don't want to sound like an expert. I want to make it sound like I'm transitioning my experience and what mm -hmm. I did to get me where I want. So we're learning and it's harder. Like I said, it's harder than I thought, but in all honesty, that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And that's how you can help others out after Pressure makes diamonds. Also difficult is growing our YouTube. I think one of the other issues we faced was yeah. we're trying to grow so many things at once, the newsletter, the podcast, and then also the YouTube and the Twitters and the LinkedIn's. It's a lot. I think that we took, we, we bit more than we can chew. And we tried growing it, like a whole content media thing. And it's just so much at once. And we yeah. never really started this the single seed that grows into a beautiful tree. We never really did that because we kept planting more seeds and not watering the ones that we already planted. Yeah. So that's my metaphor. I think it's a brilliant metaphor. I just came up with it on the spot. So you're welcome, Pascal. Anyways, uh, additionally, what is easy actually seemingly is our TikTok. Some of the, I haven't even checked the latest view count on some of them, but I actually did a little bit of research on that. And a lot of people complain about the conversion from TikTok to the actual subs subscriptions of a podcast or a YouTube or whatever. And I found that to be really fascinating to me because we first popped off on mm -hmm. TikTok a little bit and then it died. And then I posted one or two clips and then those popped off again. And I'm like, okay, if like a, like a thousand people are looking at every clip and they don't know who we are and we have like nothing on the page, that's pretty good. I'd say it's pretty damn good and getting 60 or 70 likes per video. So I thought it'd be interesting that it's like a mill to get content going, but it actually doesn't benefit us in subscriptions. However, I do find it valuable because I think that it's good brand awareness. And if you get like little clips and make us more aware offline, like off, off of our other main areas that generate content, I think we stick with people better. So I might see if we can continue doing that i don't really know if we'll continue that but that was another thing i also learned that um writing's not my strong suit it's your strong suit <laughs> and i don't know if you want to talk more about that because you're really good at writing dude thank you man yeah it's uh, it's funny because when i was a kid i found it so hard honestly it was so hard to get my ideas out on paper from my head to paper and the day I started blogging, it just, the first one was okay. And then I just got better. Every I started writing and I just got to get into a groove and I truly, really enjoy writing. I think it's a great way for me to drop everything that's in my head and explain it on paper. And I think words are very powerful and you got to be very careful on how you phrase your sentences so that they make sense and they're not coming off in the wrong way. And I think it's a very powerful tool. And I very I value writing a lot. There's a course thing. It's 30 day copywriting or something by Sam Parr. I bought it and I never completed it. Oh. I just kind of kind of like it's, it's like you buy it on Gumroad and then it just sends you like like an email, ten emails or something for 30 mm -hmm. days, 
and you're supposed to follow the directions in the emails. And basically, it's essentially saying you have to copy copyright writing that's really good. It sticks in your head, and then you'll actually get just a little bit better. But I haven't had time to even do that. And I think I'm going to go back to that and actually try to do it because I really do want to start contributing as well, more so like you are to the newsletter. Because I think that it's a lot of fun to do that kind of stuff, but it's just so hard for me and I have no time because I think, I don't know if anyone's noticed, you've been writing all the newsletters and I've been editing all the podcasts and doing a lot, a lot of that, the video stuff. So I really enjoyed this part of it. I like that deal. I enjoy doing this part of our like initiative here. Mm-hmm. So we can keep going with that. But I just found it to be really striking that I was really bad at writing. And then um, I think... Yeah, we haven't really monetized this channel in YouTube or in the newsletter or in the podcast. We are still trying to figure a lot of that out. We might have a sponsor coming up, and we'll talk about that later in the future if that ever actually pans out. But if anyone wants to sponsor us and help us get the word out there of how the world shapes or how the world is shaped by design, then please reach out to us. It could be a tool we already use. It could be something like that. We're open to anything. If not, we're going to harass you guys until you give <laughs> us some money. Let's uh, let's switch gears to our framer strategy, something that we recently discovered uh, that resonated with a lot of our listeners, a lot of people online, our Twitter followers. This is something that I'm very excited about. Do you want to kind of get into it? Yeah, I think framer is this super powerful tool and we and. When I looked at how far and how long it has been existing, I didn't know it existed for that long. And we at least stumbled across it last year. And we've been playing with it. We've gotten way better than, with it now. I think we've put up a couple of videos. We haven't put everything up that we did, but I think we have enough experience that we can create things. We're, gonna, we're creating templates now that we're going to be spitting out as well. But I think it's this very powerful tool. And it, we've realized that there's a lot of opportunities that are coming up because a lot of designers are picking up that tool. And I think that's where we want to come in and help. Mitch and I have worked in systems before, like design systems or how to use systems. And and that's where we want to come in and be really helpful and provide that guidance and provide those elements on how to use XYZ and Y, et cetera, right? We're all within Framer. And I think that's a very powerful way that we could help utilize Framer and not just animate everything for the sake of animating everything because framer allows you to animate everything that's mm-hmm. something i find it's cool because we can but it doesn't have we have to i think that there's a time and place for the right thing and just like you said i think that this is an opportunity for us to help give value to people that are i can definitely say that a lot of people jumping into framer are not pros at design and every time there's a new tool it seems like everyone could like gravitate towards that just check it out and see if it fits out sometimes it doesn't this time it did and a lot of a lot of designers or, or new designers and experienced designers are all gravitating towards this thing. But there's a lot of, even though it's a great and easy tool to use, it still has a lot of complication to it. And there's a lot of hidden gems in it that you need to unlock in order to really use the full power of it. And I can't wait to dive in more with you in the next coming weeks and months and sharing some of the cool stuff that we'll be actually producing to help people build better sites with proper guidance and design practices from the heart, really. Uh, but all within that tool. Mm-hmm. The thing is that usually you have to go out in other systems to design, to find this is all going to be baked in. So that's mm-hmm. a very, I think, interesting point of view where you find that guidance and the component and everything all inside. So what we plan on doing, we talked about doing this approach in three phases. 
And I think it's great to talk about it because we are building in public this whole thing, this whole like initiative with primitives and shaping design and this mm -hmm. new site for Framer Tricks, which we'll be releasing soon. So I'll dive into a couple of the things there. You can add and jump in there. So we want to start off by, like we said, first giving value to the community. And what we plan on doing is actually teaching and giving guidance away for free of how to design systems that play into firmware websites. And we've actually gotten a lot of reactions that people really do love this. I posted a video and a clip of this on Twitter. It has combined now, it's probably sitting at around, I would say 100,000 views, which is pretty cool. All those kind of content that we've been putting out and getting gone, we've been really appreciative of that. And we're gonna channel that into actually educating people when they're building firmware websites, how to do it properly, not just technically, but like, the why behind using the right button and the right component, the why behind how to actually approach a need. And I am really excited about that part. So it's not just like we're building like, a, oh, cool, here's like a type token. Oh, cool, here's like a button. No, it's like way more than that. It's way more useful than that. And a lot of people are doing that kind of stuff now. And I applaud a lot of them too. We need more of that in the community to help people build better websites. And Pascal and I want to also help you build better websites by teaching you correct principles from the beginning and not just using a tool and getting good at tactically using a tool because that tool's maybe going to go away in the future too. So this will help. This will definitely help you as a designer listening or watching this. And it'll definitely help a lot of people who are viewing the websites that you create. So excited about that part. People are going to get product and anxiety now if you say it's going to leave potentially. Eventually, all tools leave, right? I think that Framers here is going to be here for a while. I really do. It's taken off like a rocket. And we have a special guest from Framer coming on very soon in the near future. So stick around for that. And we can discuss all your questions about Framer with that person. But uh, the second part of this kind of Framer initiative that we're launching, eventually we're going to start giving away, like we said, we're going to start giving away free stuff, free guidance, some guides or guidance, guides, guidance, design systems, help, components, patterns, etc. Now we're going to also launch a lot of content. And do you want to talk about that? Yeah, there's a, we're about to launch an ebook actually, which is like how to ace an interview. And it's from all either like Mitch and I's point of view on all the interviews we've done in our careers, all the interviews or yeah, that I had to give or being in so many interviews, you know, asking mm -hmm. designers questions and so on, gathering all that information, having numerous discussions with, I'm in a mastermind class with other designers and whatnot, and there's a big guy who's head of HR. So I picked his brain on, and trying to gather everything into this very cohesive ebook that can potentially help people out. Because I know there's a lot of people out there right now on job hunting and I wanted to participate in a way to help them out, not just use my network to help them out, but also if there's a way I can help them ace an interview by providing better structured answered questions or like the star method that you and I talked about, I think I want to provide that guidance in, in the ebook and you looked at it, you helped some sections on this. So I think it's us helping the community out. So this is one of the first piece. I think that like the second book that I already have started is like, how do you go from designer into leadership roles? So how do you pr progress in your career? And what are the steps that you need to get there? I was in a conversation on Twitter with somebody who was saying he was making $50,000 a year. And how do you level up? Why am I not only making 50K a year? And why like I'm seeing some people making up to 300K a year? How do I get there? 
And I provided a bit of answers to them, but they asked if I can go deeper into this topic. So I think having these types of questions or feedback from the audience allows us to go back and cater something that's for the audience and nothing but authentic feedback out of it, right? It's just my point of view on how I got to where I am based on all the mentors that I had and all the help I had, how you got to where you had, but also talking with all the other design leaders in the industry, other designers that are going up the ranks, what are their experiences? So those are all the things that we are working on to help everybody outgrow and their craft differentiate themselves from others. Because I think building your own personal brand is super important as a designer above and beyond just being really good. You need your own brand. And I think that's a way to separate yourself. So watch out. I think we talked about dropping that ebook on Tuesday. We're going to drop it off on Tuesday in all our social media things. Hopefully you like it. And at the end, even on that ebook, we asked for feedback on it. We want to make things better. If there's things we should add or remove, let us know. But I'm really excited about this ebook. I hope, I honestly think it's going to help people better themselves in the interview process. Yeah. And if you want to be the first to get it, I highly recommend that you subscribe to our newsletter, learnprimitives.substack.com. And you'll be the first to know when it drops and you can get it at discounted price in the beginning. And then wait, it might go up in, in value, might go up in price. It might cost more in the future. Definitely get it as soon as you can. Yeah. Good job putting that out, Pascal. It's going to be a lot of fun seeing how people react to it. And it's actually going to help people. It was something that we tried to channel through our courses that we tried teaching in the beginning of this. And I think that it's going to be a really great help to a lot of people when they're able to read it on their own pace and their own timing. And eventually have a whole bunch more guides that they can also use and read whenever they're stuck. And honestly, I really like the guide because I found even things that we've discussed, but I should have been implementing myself. So do you want to give a little bit of a sneak peek about what is something in the book that somebody would find really useful and then Um, go into that? Let's say I talk about the star method when you're explaining context in terms of what you did, et cetera. So star model being like situation, task, action, and result. So when you, every time you prepare for questions, respond in that way so that you're positioning the interviewer in all these steps. I think this is something that was told at one point when I was in a mentor conversation, even when I was presenting, not just in an interview, but even presenting my work or things like that. I think the star method is super powerful. It's such a, and like you you even commented on it uh, as an example, but it's the best way to respond to behavioral questions because we all get those in interviews. And another thing we go down into is how to be successful in this dreaded design challenge. So the thing I dislike the most (laughs) in interviews and like having these design challenges, but a lot of companies do them. And we provide some guidance on, what to look for, how to look at it, how to approach it, how to work at it and how to outcome of it. We have, I think it's like 11 chapters and like a bonus section at the end where we have potential questions that people are going to ask what, how you could respond to them. And we go deep and that section, a lot of this comes from like the top of HR. So those are profound ways of answering that they're looking for. And even how to build like the final thing I'll say is like, there's a section in how to build your resume. So how do you build your resume so that it demonstrates your output and outcomes? How do you write those things? I think those are important because a lot of people, we don't, as designers, we don't learn that. 
And that's the thing I learned as I went up and as I was becoming into more like design principal positions, you need to speak in that way because you're talking to C-level executive. You're talking to people that have zero knowledge of business or not business, I mean design. So you got to sell them those things. So you got to learn how to frame that. And that section is super, I think, really powerful. And it comes, like I said, from top of HR, his brain dump of how you should approach this. So I see this as very personally very valuable for those people that are going to want to participate in this. And hopefully they get a lot of good positive input from that guy. Agreed. Agreed. I love all that. I think that it's already helped me a lot, that guide, even though we've already spoken a lot and we've, we put a lot of what we know into it, things that I didn't know that are in there or things that I wasn't aware of or even learned at all. I think that I wish I had those things earlier on, trying to apply to all these jobs and startups, and enterprises and stuff. I, I hope everyone else really does find it useful because it will help you for sure. And there's another thing that we put in there, pieces of it. You and I came up with what we call like our portfolio framework where we consider the best approach to creating a portfolio. And we had, like, that was our original Maven right. course, which I think we, like, we learned, we improved, and now we have it, I think, solidified to a T. But we have like a pieces of it in this book. So mm-hmm. we're get, like, I think it's a strong way. If you want to learn how to create a, a strong portfolio, we go at a high level what you need to do to get to it. So I think, anyways, I don't want to keep on the ebook, but I think, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in this tiny little not tiny book mm-hmm. there's 70 pages but still I think there's a lot of value in in this thing. Speaking of that Maven course that we taught about creating a winning portfolio, I think that we should definitely package that up and allow anyone else to view that whenever they want to. I think that's still really valuable and there's a lot of great content that it's like stuck in in a dark void that we need to pull out and uh, maybe we can do that too in the future too. Whatever. We should and we will. Yeah. We got a lot coming. Uh, stick around for that. And if anyone has any questions about design or any questions at all about your career or how to get ahead or how to do something, or just you're curious about our careers or anything, please reach out to us, shoot us an email and be happy to answer it on the pod. Yeah. And even mentoring, like um, yeah. I'm, I, I got some open spots for additional mentoring. So if there's anybody that wants additional mentoring sessions or want to talk with somebody else, reach out. I'm more than happy to have these conversations. So that was a long tangent away from the framework strategy, even though that this guy is one of many things on it. So we went through the first two. There's a third part. So the first one was we're going to provide value by giving away a lot of stuff for free, teaching people about design systems. Number two, creating some content that has maybe a little bit of paid content, but also some free content that guides like this one and many more videos and then even templates that are probably going to cost a little bit, but will help sustain us to keep growing that area if I give more free value to everyone else. And then last part of it would be creating an agency to build websites in Framer for companies that need it. And we're not going to talk too much about it, but this is just a little glimpse into our strategy because we feel like if we give away stuff for free, then get eyes on that free stuff. And then we're able to then, now that we've already provided free content that's actually valuable, provide content that's maybe not free, but is still valuable and hopefully even more valuable than the free content. We can help grow this initiative a lot and help teach a lot more designers and sustain it so we can keep teaching it because eventually maybe we do this full time. Who knows? But this is something that I think you and I are really passionate about and our listeners do apparently enjoy it and want to learn more and do more with this and hopefully inspires them to do something great on their own. So I think it's also... 
I think it's also a way of showing and proving that we can still dance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a way, like, if we're going to be talking about our, our own experiences, I think it's valuable that we also provide designs that we do and that we show Mm -hmm. not just talk but show what we're doing show what we're talking about and why we're talking about it so i think there's like that two-way thing where we talk about it but we also show what we're doing and why we're doing it there was a saying that my old mentor and manager and colleague and friend of mine both of ours actually devin o'brien always used to say show don't tell i think we do a lot of telling and that's cool but it doesn't prove any value and we got to show the value and once we start showing the value, I think people will really start appreciating that more. Yeah. And I think like images speak a thousand words mm-hmm. so, yeah. sometimes. And I think if we approach it with the right mindset and we show and we're here to help people, I really like truly still think we're going to be able to help a lot of people. But I think we have also, we need to show, we need to show designs. We need to build framework templates. We need to help mm-hmm. the community out. We need to be part of the community and help that community grow and Mm -hmm. expand so that framework gets out even bigger to where it's at right now. Because I think, I honestly believe heavily in it because even companies are going to be able to utilize it as there's code to it. So if you're doing an animation or like a design, you can literally have your development team use that. And it's a very powerful tool above and beyond just creating templates or doing fancy animation. Yeah, and you don't even need a development team if you're going to be using framework. So it's, it can supplement the whole need to wait on somebody else that has this kind of gatekeep knowledge because it's so hard to learn. You can just build a website like that. It's super quick. I think that actually I'm going to be a little bit selfish. Part of this is also not just to give a lot to other people, but it is to also prove that, like you said before, we can still dance. And I think that there's a lot of stuff deeper within that you and I are trying to aspire to achieve. And I'm excited to see where, again, I keep saying that because I am, it's true. I'm excited to see where all this goes and we don't really know where it's going to go entirely. We just know that we want to help people, but also we want to learn and we want to grow. We want to be able to be a mentor to other designers and inspire them to do great things and also level up this industry that we see has so much trendiness going on. It isn't really focused on building great products but building famous products that unfortunately actually don't solve problems they just make more clutter appear and they make lives more messy a lot of designers go to big companies and do really good things for those companies but in the end of the day those companies aren't really trying to provide that much value to other people they're trying to provide value to themselves and their stakeholders and to a degree that's capitalism that's fine i don't have a problem with that but when it has a negative impact, then it's like a little bit troublesome and you feel a little bit like, ooh, like I get it. Like it, it's fair game. But I think everyone who is listening, everyone who is a designer, especially designers, you and I want to also contribute meaningful, positive value, not just trying to become like a content mill or trying to just make a quick buck. Eventually, if this succeeds, we can do this full time and then also produce a lot of things that we wanted to do too. A long-term vision is to be able to take a lot of the money that we're producing eventually with a lot of the stuff that we're doing now and build it into businesses, build it into software, build it into things that we want in our lives that we think other people would want too. So there's like a selfish aspect to a lot of this, but I think it's for a good cause in the end. And I don't know if I'll call it selfish, but maybe it's more of the flip side of that selflessness, trying to build things for others. As we give a value away to people, we hope that value comes back as a nice form of karma. So 
again, we really appreciate everyone listening and always trying to root us on, helping give us feedback on what we're working on. And uh, yeah, got it. that's all I got to say about that. It's a good speech. <laughs> Is it? I don't yeah, know. You got me sold. I'm down. There's so many things that we wanted to do. And it'd be a I'm shame down. if we gave up and then just went back to being like we worked for a company and then never those ideas never saw light of day. So I think that there's a lot of cool things that we can still do. So I'm excited for how to get there because it's not going to be easy. You and I have already struggled a lot trying to get to 200 subscribers. Now we're going to try to get to 300 subscribers. Now we're going to try to get to 1,000 subscribers. And then eventually we'll be able to do a lot more. Yeah, I think it's a journey though. I'm not looking at it as a race. Like I think it's a journey. And I'm like, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying like bumping my head against the wall and learning a bunch <laughs> of stuff and having conversations and looking at other people. And then because they created a fancy button, all of a sudden they jumped like 10,000 followers on Twitter. That's okay. I respect it's the game. Don't hate the player, hate the game. As they say, that's the game. So I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to do my part. And I truly humbly think though, that at one point, if you're really authentic, People are going to come. Maybe it's going to be a bit slower than others. And I'm not saying the other people are not authentic. That's not what I mean. We all have an audience. Everybody has an audience. So it's just, maybe we're just slower. That's okay. I'm in it for the long run anyways. And I think I just want to have fun doing it. Hell yeah. Can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. What is so far your favorite thing about doing all this? And what is your least favorite thing about doing all this? Start with your least favorite thing. So end on a good note. It's like writing all these, writing on Twitter. Mm. I think that's because I feel if everybody uses the same framework, everybody sounds the same. Everybody's good at design, but 98% of designers don't like that hook or that. Everybody uses it. I know that's the writing strategy, but I feel... I don't like it because I have to sound like everybody else and it doesn't end up sounding like I want to sound, Mm. but I have to use the frameworks because they work. So that's the part I don't necessarily write. I'm still trying to figure out like my right angle to this or my way of writing and capturing attention and not sounding like I'm coming at it from the very top and looking down. So I find that hard. It's interesting, but I find it hard. Podcast is very fun. I think it's something that we talk about design. We bring other people on. We have... like I, you and I know the list, the people that are coming on. And I think some are very cool. Some are very expected at, at high, at big companies that people like. And I think it's going to be interesting to have people that I per- and you and I personally know that started at the bottom and are, have these cool jobs at big companies and how they got there. And I think they're going to be able to share their stories to help people out. So I think I really like that. And I do love designing out in the open. I, don't, I think I personally don't do enough of. I used mm-hmm. to do a lot when I, were, when I was more hands-on. Now being like principal, it's I design stuff, but it's not like cool stuff. I'm just designing to help people out or get them out of the jam. And then I bounce to the other thing and like work on feet on product and whatever. I need to spend more time on the side designing stuff and sharing. I truly enjoyed when I just shared, like I was playing with the hover state on Framer and a lot of people reached out and it was meaningful conversations on how do you do that? Why do you do it this way? And I think I need to do more of that because I like it. I like being in the community and with the community trying to figure things out. And I think that's for me is why I'm doing this. I really want to help people out, but I also want to design it out of the open. So I have to be 
I have to go and spend less time with my kids and more time doing family stuff. <laughs> or you can just do family stuff with the whole family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, like my kid in school, like he's four, 15, he's going to be 15, mm-hmm. but they're learning how to use, or what's that motion tool? What? It's not Framer, but it's like Webflow they're learning or... it. No, I don't know. It's like that 3D. Oh, 3D. Spline. The other one, the one that was before Spline. There's one before Spline. Oh, anyway, before. and I'll, okay. I can't remember, but they're learning it in school. And he comes back home and he says, hey, dad, today I had to do Photoshop and I learned this X, Y, Z. So they're, he, they're already learning this in high school, which I find is like super cool. That's awesome. And I would imagine that like they start teaching like Framer in school because that's something that's easy for anyone to make a website with. Maybe. And you don't need to learn how to code. So there's no precursor. It's just learn how to use the tool just like you would learn Illustrator or Photoshop. Awesome. Well, that, that's great. And I like those two strengths and or like the positive and negatives of all, all this stuff. That's good. And what about you? I was hoping you'd forget that I even asked the question. <laughs> I would say I think being like online, I'm slowly realizing that I personally, I loved being online early on when I didn't have a lot of friends or like I didn't have a family that I wanted to grow or I didn't want to be around people. Well, then I realized how much of an isolationist that makes me. And so I started to spend more time with people in person, realizing that human connection is actually a really important thing. It can happen online, but also you need that in person because you do actually psychologically go through a lot of stuff. So for me, I'm like, I hate the time that I spend dedicating towards having to sit on a computer and watch out for the next trend to like respond to or like trying to post, like you said, on Twitter or even like for me, Posting on LinkedIn is worse than posting on Twitter. The only thing I post on LinkedIn is like all of our video stuff from the podcast as a YouTube thing. And I like that a lot because I actually am seeing people that are starting to agree and comment and it's starting to take off there too. But, you know, it's annoying to me that I have to keep up with it and I haven't found like a great tool set or system to do it that I'm comfortable with that doesn't sound cheesy. It doesn't sound like I'm just trying to copy the way like a framework of somebody else. So Trying to figure that out is annoying. I also would say another annoying thing, which might be a good contender to that annoying thing, would be having to like rush. So the fact that you have to post, but also rush to post it. Because if somebody else is starting to do something that you're trying to do, you have to rush to figure out, okay, am I doing the right thing? Is this something that can I differentiate? Because when you're always the first at something, even if you're bad, you're going to be pretty popular at it. But if you're the first sorry if you're like the second and you're not as good then you're already behind if you're second and you're good then you're still a little bit behind but you got to be like second and like amazing at it so for me it's like the rush and like having to sit there and schedule and tweet and post bs that part i don't like doing so for me i started pivoting and just saying oh look look this cool thing that i made and people actually like that so that's how we found out that we would want to do this kind of framework stuff because I posted like, how, what if this would be something of use for the people? Do people find this interesting or helpful? And they did. They wanted more guidance on how to actually not just build things, build things with purpose. Like, why would you choose this over this? Or why would, how would you properly use this? So I think that design system and framework stuff is going to really be a key factor to our growth. The thing that I like, I think I, I really love the response that some people have. Now, we don't have a big audience. And even though I have like a 1,200 people following me on Twitter, 
and we only have 200 subscribers on Substack and I think like 32. I think someone's unsubscribed from our YouTube. So like 32 people on YouTube. I think the best thing about it is that some of the content is resonating with people and they privately DM me or they comment and they say, wow, this is actually really useful. I'm going to actually now implement this into what I'm doing or this new project that I'm working on. I'm going to apply it to that. And that's so cool to hear that we were able to help somebody just move the needle just a little bit more. And it wasn't just like we moved the needle. It was a positive move. So I'm happy about that. And that that makes me want to keep doing this because if we can keep helping more and more people like that, then we'll be unstoppable. People will actually start to gravitate towards our content and we don't have to be stuck in this like hamster wheel. And I don't think we currently are in a hamster wheel. I think we're trying to figure out how to run in the hamster wheel without actually using our feet. I think that's like where we're at right now. And I think you're right. You know, trying to find the right like patterns to tweet and post about not design system pattern, like actually the framework in which we use to post content, but we need to make something that's like uniquely us but also something that resonates with people. And that is a pretty big hurdle that we're working on, but I think we're starting to get there. Yeah, and I think it's about being authentic at the end of the day. I want to sound, what I write, I want to make it feel like people know it's coming from me. Like people I've spoken to or mentored, if they want to go read something I write, yeah, I know that's Pascal. Like it has to be me. I don't want to sound like other people that you know are solid writers but i want it to sound like me so that's the hard part is fine like being in that framework but being you your unique self and i think it's just challenging what is something that you think and i think we'll end on this what is something that you think we should be doing that we're not doing right or that we can do better that we should do be i think it goes back to the I don't know. It's like commenting on your tweet that you just said, being more online on being more online, being more present. I think I have to be more, I have to do more of, but it's, I find it hard finding that time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like carving that time out and that busy schedule and being there, but I want, cause I want to be there. So it's just, I find that's the thing I have to get better at and being more present in that way. I think that, I would agree with that. It's hard to find that balance. I think maybe we'll do an episode of just balance. Like, how do you balance all the stuff that we're working on? How do people balance all of these things and start posting and tweeting at one in the morning? And like, how do you do that? And obviously, it's a scheduler. But how do you like find time to even write the stuff for the scheduler that posts to Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever? I'm like so dumbfounded on this stuff because I'm just like I'm losing so much time. And I was talking to my girlfriend. I'm like, I don't know how to even keep up with all this. We're trying to. Build so much stuff. We got FOMO now. We got FOMO. It's hard. It's a hard thing. And I give a lot of credit to people that are like excelling and like just kicking ass and taking names. Like they're doing great on Twitter. I love seeing their content. I want to keep promoting the ones that are doing great work. And I hope I'm wondering, like, to your point, when I'm looking at some and some do have full time jobs. And I'm like, when did they have time to build this in a week? I don't like, think don't a lot of them. Away. I don't think a lot of them have families or like significant others. I really don't, and I'm not saying that to be rude or anything. I think some do. I think some do. No, some do because um, I know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Put a car on it, but still, but a lot of them, the best ones, I would say, don't because they actually can dedicate time away from life, and they can just focus on this kind of stuff. Like when I'm younger, when I was younger, 
I was able to spend all my time on the computer because I didn't really care if I was with my friends or not. I just wanted to build and design apps. And I got really freaking good at that. And then I lost a lot of that talent because I stopped doing it. And I want to get back into kind of doing more mobile stuff. But it's you have to dedicate time to it. That is the only way. Unless you hand it off to somebody else to do, but then you're not doing it. I think that we need to find a way to keep and find just enough time. Maybe not all time, but just enough time that can get us going. We're going to be launching this Framer site soon. We're going to be launching a lot more of those the guides that we're writing. We're going to be still writing the newsletter and recording it and kind of scheduling guests on the podcast. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening. Some of that we can dedicate, that we can delegate, excuse me. Some of that stuff we can delegate, but not all of it. And we still need to be using the shovel and not just selling the shovel, right? We still need to be using the shovel to actually produce great quality work that then can show everyone, hey, look, like we know our shit. We know how to do this. And hopefully they, everyone thinks that. If not, let us know so we can correct that a little behind, behind the bleachers. But I think that we need to find that balance. And that is the ultimate struggle that we face uh, trying to do this. I think if you and I didn't have like other stuff going on, I'm working for a startup right now. You're working for a company. And I think if that wasn't in the way, not that it's like an obstacle in the way, but it is time dedicated away from doing other things, then we would have more time to focus and learn and produce because a lot of our work is experimental. We have to experiment a little bit before we get it right. Not just, oh, I have an idea. I know exactly how to do it. We have to prove it to ourselves when we're trying to build it. And then it's like, oh, actually, you can't do that. For example, the Framer site, trying to build the documentation section. And it's really hard because I don't know how to actually produce some of the elements. So we have to scale it back a little bit. And we'll talk more about that later on, <laughs> not on the podcast, but there's workarounds for it. And I didn't realize that until too late. And now I'm like, damn, I spent all these weeks trying to figure out how to do it. And I couldn't do it. Like I should have just done this other thing in the first place. So stuff like that is really irritating to me, but it's part of the learning process. And we need to have time to be a part of that learning process. Yep. It's a journey, not a race. It is a journey. It is not a race. If it was a race, I think both of our feet would have given out by now. <laughs> it's okay. We're in it for as long, man. That's what we keep saying. That's right. That's right. We'll get in the car and drive the rest of the race. <laughs> All right. Cool. I guess we'll end on that note then. Fantastic. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good one, everyone.